the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello there, everybody. Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman. It's Dennis and Julie. Shalom. Who just told you, someone in Australia told you they're a big fan of the show, right? Oh, yes. Well, I just spoke to the Australian Jewish Association on Zoom the other night at 1 a.m. my time, which shows you how much I like them. Yes. For you, that's very hard. It was really hard, I will admit. For me, 1 a.m. is prime time. That's like 7 p.m. for yes, me. Yes, that's Your right. Your 1 a.m. Yes. is like 7 p.m. for me. But I was really energized when I went on the Zoom. And what was really touching, Dennis, was how many people raised their hand to ask me a question and said, I love Dennis and Julie. I love in Australia. Timeless. This in, is Australia. in Australia. Yes. So shout out to the Aussies. Well, it shows you the power of the internet for good just as it is You're for right. bad. It's not just for bad. I mean... There would be no PragerU without the internet, just as an example. It's interesting that you bring this up because I have been contemplating for some time now getting rid of my social media, and I can't see Sean, but I'm sure Sean is shaking his head and thinking, oh my God, <laughs> because it's a good way. It's like the only way that we're advertising my sh- my show right now, and frankly, Dennis and Julie, that's the primary way that it gets advertised. I deleted my – I've talked about it on Dennis and Julie, but I deleted my personal social media because – this was like a year and a half ago because I thought it was just unhealthy and a time drain and um, not good for me. But I have contemplated getting rid of even my professional social media. Really? Yes. That's what I meant when I – Why? When I first said it. Because I just think that, that – I think it's an evil thing, social media. I really do. And I hear you that it's a, that it can be a force for good, but I Well, when th- you I, say I'm, professional, I'm, so you would not have a, 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 a Twitter account? Is that correct? Yes. Or do an Instagram. Do you use it now? I do. Mm-hmm. Well, I well, just think it's, you know... You can, it can take over your life. It can, and, and I don't let it take over my life, but I even find that I'm spending way too much time on it, and I'm pretty... Uh, pretty moderate about this stuff and I regulate myself but even to to bring up an unfortunate subject even looking at the spat between Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens and then the spat a few weeks ago between Megyn Kelly and Candace Owens I just look at that stuff and I go this is not this is just not facilitating goodness Hmm. in some cases it is but if we're like Twitter warring with each other and also the, literally the, the, the way that social media is designed is to make what you have to say incredibly concise and simple. And you're the king of being concise. You're excellent at it. But you it, it, 
but also when you only have 280 characters yes, on Twitter, I, I, you sound I off and so say, little. right. That, that, that's exactly right. I just think it's, I think it's evil. And I think if I, again, I'm considering this, if I lead by example and say, I'm not partaking in this, I'm not saying that I'm, <laughs> people will necessarily yeah. follow, well, but. No, that, that's a, it's an interesting point. So I want to tell you a th- something I've never said to you. I mean, it's not some gigantic revelation, but right. it. I think I've thought about this a lot. I I don't have for I have a Facebook account, but I, I don't even know what goes on there because it's 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 all professional and others mon- right. monitor it. But if I were uh, if I if I were not a public figure, mm-hmm. I I personally think I would love to have a Facebook. Page. Really, I am so interested to know what cousins are doing and mm. nephews and nieces. And friends I haven't seen in 20 years. I I would revel in that stuff. I understand what you're saying. And of course, as as we've been remarking, it's not all good or all bad. There are some very good parts of it, including being able to see what your relatives' friends are doing. But I think that you maybe have a romanticized idea of what you would learn. A lot of people... I was actually thinking about this today. Well, that's interesting. A lot of people who in real life I would judge to be very kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for Um, moderate not narcissistic people you see them on social media and they're like posting the yogurt that they ate it some some people are very different online than they are in real life and so I think you have this idea. I would see that my cousin climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. So wait, wait, that is interesting. So to explain that to me. What I, I know, you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I I know of it. I haven't really witnessed it because I'm not on Facebook. But so people will do that. I mean, let, totally. without exaggerating, this is what I had for breakfast. Oh yes. Oh yes. So okay. I I know this will sound or assume it'll sound silly, why? Well, that's the million-dollar question. Why? Well, no, why? why um, forgive me, Julia. No. I'm interrupting. You, I don't you're mean, forgiven. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm not asking why psychologically. That I'm interested in. But I'm asking why in a very pragmatic way. Does anyone care? No. No one cares. But, but there's a culture on social media of doing that. It's very weird. It's it's very difficult to explain. I'm not I'm not sure I, I, I could even do it. But there you you just it's a really interesting experiment in social contagion because people see other people posting their breakfast pictures. And it's very common for people to post their food when they go out to a restaurant. And I don't know if they're trying to show, hey, I have a social life or hey, I'm I'm getting out and here's my fancy pasta meal or if they're just seeing other people do it and they think they have to do it but it is very very you've actually seen this oh people will you're right i'm I'm totally you could i could pull up my instagram for you right now and i bet if i looked at the top three stories one of them would have a food picture this is what i what i ordered in the restaurant yes so here's another question since this is all revelatory to me is it more likely a woman will do that than a man? Yes. I, I would think that. Yes. But you'd be surprised. There are, there are a well, lot of men who I have who to post... believe that a guy who posts, this is what I ordered at the restaurant. I, I, 
I don't want to. I truly don't want to offend anybody, but it's not very masculine. I know, it's not. Do you see now why I have this allergy to it? I think it. I think it makes us brain dead. It's obviously a time drain, and. and okay, it, so now I'll go to the what you thought I asked originally. Why so, psychologically? Are or people why, doing that? Why, yeah. What animates? I mean, the thought that I. Even if I were a private individual, I wasn't a public person. Mm-hmm. The thought that I would put out for anybody, mm-hmm. this is what I had at my restaurant, is inconceivable. If I did, my, as my wife would put it, I would have Dennis rushed for an MRI of his brain. He was probably having a tumor. Here's what I think it is. I think it started off as... For the average person who posts a food picture, I think it starts off as a social contagion. They see other people on Instagram doing it, and they think that it's cool or they're it's kind of like what you do on Instagram, and that's why they post it. I think there's a sprinkle in there of wanting to show people I am out at a restaurant. I have a social life. I am, you know, I don't just stay at my apartment all day. But I think if I really got down to the to the psychological reason for it— I think it's because we have so lived our lives online. Social media, especially in my generation, is a feature of life, not a bug. It's not like we have our lives and then social media is separate. Social media is, in large part, our our life. Yeah, that's frightening. And you know what I think it is? I think that we have subconsciously internalized the idea that if we don't post about it, we don't take a picture, I it didn't lived. happen. It didn't happen. It, seriously, yes. no one would consciously. It's very subconscious, but it's sort of like the food will be better, or like the the experience is. I understand that. Weirdly, now. the like I think they think the experience is more real if I post about yes. it, which is so fake. It's very, it's very, very odd. Oh, we could we could talk about this the whole time. I mean, people people post with their friends, and I think that's a way of like solidifying. If, if your friend posts of you on social media or you post with your friend, that's a way of making the friendship real. Like, we posted together. They're on my social media page, so they're my friend. Instead of just actually knowing in real life and in private that that person when is your friend. When people post now, what, what medium are they usually Instagram. using? My generation is very, very Instagram Okay, so heavy. explain to me. I know this is pathetic that I'm. Even no, asking. I love it. It's so refreshing to me. I I love and admire it so much that okay. you don't know this world. Thank you. No, seriously, What's thank God. The, what is the big difference between Instagram and Facebook? So Facebook, I think, is more long form. Like, I mean, it is. It is more long form. You can post a bunch of pictures and videos and then write really long captions, and that's good and that's bad. If you're following like Barry Weiss on, I don't use Facebook, but I can imagine if you follow Barry Weiss or Douglas Murray and they write these kind of long things, you're going to get something of quality. But if you follow your average friend or your average cousin, this is why I said I think you have a romantic view of what you'd be learning, you would be surprised as to how many people use it as a forum to just talk about themselves and the mo- and report on the most so it, the uh-huh. minutia of their lives. So it fosters narcissism. You which have is no idea how crisis. much. You have no idea how much. You're right. I have no idea. And girls my age, and this was so prevalent when I was a teenager, and it's still prevalent now. And I just turned 24. People plan out their posts like meticulously, and they will take. So let's say you're at you're at the Eiffel Tower. 
people will not only take one photo at the Eiffel Tower, they will take 300. And you think I'm exaggerating when I say 300. I'm not. 300 photos at the Eiffel Tower. Get me from this angle. Get me from that angle. Get me with my shirt. My, or sorry, my, um, my sweater on. Get me with my sweater off. Get me in the photo with my boyfriend. Now without the boyfriend. Now laughing at a pigeon. Ha ha, look at the pigeon. Like, literally, they stage these different photos. Some of them candid. Some of them posed. Some of them with this outfit or that outfit. And then they go back to their hotel room, and for three hours, they're scrolling and they're editing. They're making their waist look slimmer, their arms look slimmer. And then, once they've done that, it's all about the caption. You have to come up with a witty, maybe a pun about the Eiffel Tower or, or something. And it takes their whole damn day while they're in Paris. That is the generation that I live in. And even people who, who I, in real life, respect... And who I think are like thoughtful, no nonsense people will succumb to that. This is so revelatory. I need to do a Sean. Would you write this down? Because I'm going to forget. I need to do a really, really deep dive on timeless about yes. social media. Yes, it's evil. So I read a lot about it. I'm, it's social media is sort of like for me sports. <laughs> I don't watch almost any games, but yeah. I, I read about it. Okay. I, I, I know what's going on, but I, re- as I say, so I read about this. So somebody recently made the point, and I'm sure it's not original to him, but doesn't matter. I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't something I came up with. And that is the, this person's belief that social media is a contributor to the unprecedented amount of loneliness among young people. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So that, there's totally. an irony, it's a th- theoretical irony. Here I am in, in touch with so many people all the time, and I'm lonelier than ever. Yes. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Oh, I, I, I've felt it myself when I use social media. You get this false sense of being connected to people, and you spend all of this time well, curating the, so your life online. Well, the operative word is false. Yes, and, and you literally, it's like, it's sort of like the precursor to AI, or it's sort of like, do you know what Club Penguin is? No. <laughs> Club Penguin is this um, site that I that I was on when I was younger, and it's basically like this digital world for kids, and there are parental controls and all of that. It was it was really fun. Like you pick your outfits, and you you were penguins in this world, and you picked like what shirt you were wearing, and you picked your friends, and you pick, and it was just like this cool interactive world. That's basically what social media is, but. Club Penguin is a kid's game. Social media is a thing that everyone uses. People curate their lives online instead of actually like living their lives and shaping their lives in real life. They'll po- they'll they'll curate this whole timeline of or these posts so of places with, they with were. With everybody, do or not everybody. With all the people who were doing this, almost and spending, everyone. Okay, almost everyone. Fine. Well, you need to, you're devoting all this time to presenting yourself. Yes. Are people looking at it? America is at a tipping point. Hi, Julie Hartman here to tell you about a new movie, Dinesh D'Souza's Police State. It exposes the government's persecution of the conservative MAGA movement. The America that we know and love is sadly slowly becoming more and more like a police state every day. 
The FBI has turned its eyes away from real dangers in the world to target what they call domestic terrorists, treating conservative Americans like they're criminals. They're targeting their political opponents, using mass surveillance and censorship, indoctrinating children, and threatening families with military-style raids on their homes. This is threatening people like you and me who speak our minds and stand up for freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Directed by Dinesh D'Souza, Debbie D'Souza, and Bruce Schooley, the police state sounds the alarm. How did we get here? And how do we turn the tide of this government's agenda? Please see Police State. Buy it or stream it now at policestatefilm.net. That's policestatefilm.net. So with with everybody, or not everybody, with all the people who were doing this. Almost everyone. Okay, almost everyone, fine. Well, you need to, you're devoting all this time to presenting yourself. Yes, are people looking at it? Yes, but people mindlessly scroll. And I've done this. I have gone to bed, and sometimes I'll go on social media because you know me in my mind. I'm tortured and I need to like distract myself with something. And I will find for 30 minutes I'm just scrolling and looking at baking videos or, or videos of people like making silly putty. It's just my the, the the kinds of videos that come in your feed are and just the, mindless. These are not part of your feed. These are they, just they are random. part of my feed. They're planted in my feed. Instagram has suggested so things. So who, who Instagram has suggested? So were you literal about the silly putty? I'm yeah. Totally so literal. all right. So good. So walk me through that. How does Julie Hartman get a feed on making putty? Well. If I were a conspiracy theorist, I would say that these social media creators and titans are trying to make me dumber. With your permission, as yeah. it were. Yes, With the, because yeah, I okay, signed but, up for okay. the app. Okay, but clearly, so you didn't sign up to receive that feed? No, I didn't. I don't follow like a silly putty making. Right. Account. That's so. Well, that's what I'm asking. Then right. I don't understand. How do you get silly putty feeds? So there are people you follow, and you get that feed. Every every person you follow, you see their posts. But then there's this suggested page on Instagram, and you go to that. Yes. Yes. And so you might have signed up for a silly putty making. It's feed? not like signed up. It's like they they. It's an algorithm, and they. I know, but, but you the have more to, you, you have it, to say yes. Well, you, you click on it. That's how you say yes. You okay. Click fine. On it. Why did yeah. you click on it? Because it's mesmerizing. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. And because they they make you addicted to this. I mean, TikTok, the whole, like, they, they, they design it to increase your dopamine levels and to have okay, the so short Okay, so walk time me through span. that. What's the difference between Instagram and TikTok? TikTok is, like, short, like, 10-second videos. And what is Instagram? Instagram, you can post videos and photos and write longer captions. But not as long as Facebook. But not as long as Facebook. So it's a, it's a length issue largely. Yes. Facebook largest. Instagram, Instagram middle. Instagram second. And then TikTok. TikTok. So that's really pathetic. Oh, and, and it's designed by So TikTok by the... is truly mindless. Yes. And this is, I mean, to bring this back to this whole Israel-Gaza um, conflict, this is, I, I think, a large contributor of the kind of radicalism that we are seeing because... These social media accounts oh, I'm like, sure you're pump right. out this propaganda, especially right. TikTok. The Chinese Communist Party right. is feeding us all this pro-Palestine from the river to the sea. Israel's a war criminal right. propaganda. And, and you only need 10 seconds to tell a lie. Yeah. You need a lot more time to tell a truth. Now, that's a pillow quote. 
Well, that, the, that goes the, on a T-shirt. Did you ever hear it? There is something. Uh, th- there is a, a an aphorism like that uh, about truth. Yeah, yeah. A lie travels faster around the world than truth takes to put on shoes or something like that. Well, the analogy that uh, wait, I... Wait, wait, wait. I cracked Sean up, which means I got it wrong. Uh, and, and Zach put it... I got the gist of it. Okay, go uh, ahead. There is... The analogy that I use is it takes one day. Less, actually. It takes one hour to knock down a house. It takes five years to oh, build yeah, it back that, up. Yes, of course. Well, that's the left in general. It, just, yes. it only destroys. Tell me something the left has built other than governments. Really? I would like to know. That's another t-shirt. <laughs> that's a great quote. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So what are you on? All of them? So I personally am off all of them. Professionally, to make people aware of my shows, to tweet right. out my so thoughts, why I'm wouldn't on Twitter you want to continue that? and Instagram. Because I think, I think there, there needs to come a point in society where all of us say, no, we're not going to live our lives online. This is a net negative than a net positive. And I, I really believe in the, as corny as it sounds, the power of your individual example. And I, I, I just want to kind of lead the way of getting rid of that. Which is the one that people keep, I keep reading is bad for girls because they have all these girls modeling and, Probably Instagram. And, and, makes, and makes other girls feel that they're physically inadequate. Probably Instagram. So what happens on Instagram? So they, so a lot of girls model, so to speak, do yes. bikini shots oh, yes. and, and the like? Yes, yeah. On Instagram? Yeah. And, and I, also, is there such a thing as OnlyFans? Yes, but I know nothing about that. I really, I really don't know anything. I think it's I like think a pornography for site well, or something. Well, or a, it, it, or a, it's, I don't know. Pornography has so many gradations, like so many other things. I, I, what I know of it is it's girls modeling uh, uh, graphically, but not naked. Because is that correct? Zach is an expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exposed. Anyway, the the point is, is not to analyze that as much as which is the one that they claim has a. Im- bad impact on girls self all of them i mean literally all of them all but of i them. think social or, i think social media i think um instagram it's hard and i'm pretty healthy and i have never had an eating disorder in my life i've never had the urge to to starve myself or anything but i even remember when i was a teenager seeing these photos of girls who'd take mirror selfies or they'd take bikini pictures and they looked so thin and so good. And it, and it gets in your head. It's, re- it's really hard. And you know, another thing just to further my case for why this is evil and why, again, I think there needs to be a movement of, of us collectively saying, no, we're not partaking. So much of this gender stuff is. That's right. Spread. On social media and TikTok especially. By the Chinese Communist Party, which does not allow transgenderism or homosexuality in its own country. But they know that it's a good weapon to spread and confuse the minds of people in in America. I have seen, and everybody should go on, uh, ironically, go on on the internet and see there was a, at least one, I'm sure there are many, 
videos that show the difference between TikTok in China and TikTok in America. Oh, I bet. I bet it's. It is so healthy in China. It's teaching kids, you know, f- how, how to do gardening and, and how to do constructive things. And, and they how, know exactly you know, how what to they're learn doing. skills. They know exactly it, what they're doing to us. Well, and we're doing to ourselves. And we're doing it to ourselves. Yes. I will. Let me tell you something, and I'm saying it here and now, and I will never change my mind on this. My children will not have a social media until they are at least 16. Hmm. If I had it my way, I would nev- they would never have it for their entire lives, but obviously I can't control them so at a certain point. My grandchildren are being raised by my son and daughter-in-law in an Orthodox Jewish home, and they right. Orthodox Jews don't use electricity on on Sabbath on Shabbat, so they don't use they don't have social media. So when I visit my son, mm-hmm. who has two sons and and two stepdaughters, and we regards like daughters, so when I visit them, it is as if I have returned. To 1950s America. I bet. I have the chills telling you this, partially because the room is freezing. But nevertheless... Thank you for saying uh, that. Yes, I was on Just for the record, it's always freezing in here. But if Dennis is freezing, you know it's frigid in here. Yeah, or Dennis is not well. (laughs) But but I presume it's because it's freezing. It's freezing. So this is really something. I go there and all I see, there must be 20 kids their age. One is uh, one is thirteen. One is uh, what is he seven or eight, and they each have like fifteen friends over, and they're just running around and playing. They're just playing. So wait, there, there is the way it's no TV, be. no computer, no phone. Yeah, it, that's that's the way that my kids are going to be raised well, in my house. Yes, that's right. None so of they're, that crap. they're they're not lonely. I know. It's it's really bad. And I mean, I go out with friends and you're sitting with them at a restaurant and they're on their phones. They're just scrolling through social media. You go on dates and people just bring Is it Is that up. right? Oh yeah, of course. Definitely. And you know what? So that I That is so unclassy. God. I, well, <laughs> only you would observe that and you're totally right and that is just the tip of the iceberg as far as the well by the way i'm sure your generation doesn't even use the term classy no they don't they don't they wouldn't they wouldn't know it if it hit them in the face that's correct i I know it because it it would be objectionable because it implies that there are classes Mm. and it implies that some people are classless yes and, and you that, can't and that's make a any bad moral thing. judgments of anyone. That, that, that's right. What What did you just? We were saying, oh, dates. Oh, okay. So I, I've spoken about this on Dennis and Julie with regard to my peers at Harvard, and not just picking on Harvard, but you know, kind of like elite schools in general. And I said, I came up with this line a few years ago, and I know I've said it on Dennis and Julie that when so much goes into the resume. There's not much left in the person. And I observed yes, that a that's lot. that's a great line of yours. In my high school and college, right. where these people, and you'd go, oh my God, like they, they like 
started, you know, their own organization and they, they, you know, like build they, homes they, they in Japan. Like, yeah. Like they, you know, and then you meet them and it's like, they are the dullest human beings. And again, I, you know, I have like the best friends at Harvard. I'm not saying everyone, but no, there right, was I'm a just... large, and you go, Oh my God, these people must be like so this... superstars. So here's, here's the analogy. When so much goes into the social media profile, there's nothing left in the person. It's, they're both true. Sorry, go ahead. You can see I'm no, animated no, about this subject. No, I, I, you, you have a right to be. So you and I just had a long discussion about this, actually. I was blessed beyond words to be given wisdom at a very early age. I take no credit for it. Mm-hmm. And so as I, as I said to you privately, and I'll say now publicly... I did no schoolwork throughout high school. I didn't give a damn what college I went to. I I ended up at Columbia for graduate school because in college I did give a damn. But I didn't care about where I went undergraduate. I cared about living life. I I knew. Do you know that I wrote? Do you what? What do they have today? Did you did you have to write? an essay or a composition on some theme in English class. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. right, two pages, let's yeah. say. Yeah, oh, two pages, I wish. Okay, well, so, uh, of course, all of ours was handwriting. We didn't have, uh, at the time, we didn't have any computers, you know, word processors. I wrote in my sophomore year in high school, and I, I, I hope I still have it, actually. I'd love to show it to you. Uh the theme was, I want to prove George Bernard Shaw wrong. That youth is wasted on the young. That's right. You did, Dennis. You proved him wrong. I, I From agree. what I know. I, I From agree. what I yes. know about you. Obviously, I didn't know you Now, did, but... I wouldn't have proved him wrong if I just did all my homework. I would have wasted my youth. Mm-hmm. So so I I learned what I wanted to learn. The world, shortwave radio, the Russian language, how to conduct orchestras. I went every week to the New York Philharmonic Library. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm an abnormal human being. No, what, what? I know. What kid is going to do what I just did? You know, learn Russian and how to conduct orchestras. Okay, I agree. I, I have an ab- I'm abnormal. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> I, I agree with Only that. Only you. But I. But the, my my point is not that I'm abnormal, which is clear. My point is, I. I knew that was not living life. Mm. Just studying for tests and doing meticulous homework. My parents thought I was, I know you didn't. Well, you got into Harvard and I got into Brooklyn College. But that's fine. I, I, I retained Dennis. I, yep. Your point is you lose yourself. You do. You do. It's sad. Well, you know, it's changing so much now because, and I've talked about my high school. I mean, my high school is barely recognizable in, it's frightening. in 2023 it, from the, the from the school I went to graduating right. in 2018. Yes, five it's years. Like, it's totally different. Right. And the, and the, the rigor the, has gone down. I mean, the is it rigor or rigorousness? Yeah. No, rigor is rigor, fine. Yeah. Uh, has, has gone down and, and it's so woke and so crazy. I mean, I could I could... Get into so it, the exact same teachers and principals. There's and they, been there's been some turnover. I, I, they hired a DEI director. There's a new principal, but the old principal was was pretty woke. 
the but some of the teachers have left but yes there are a lot of teachers who who remain there and i um i don't i've i don't think they think highly of me I want to tell you about a book that Dennis says has been one of the most influential books in his life. It has been re-released, George Gilder's Men and Marriage. George Gilder, who I interviewed on my show Timeless, has been clear about the stakes for the family since 1974. Fifty years later, the need of the hour remains. Men that take responsibility for themselves. Men who love their wives. Men who raise their own children. Men who tackle the workforce, motivated by their family and the needs of others. Without fathers, our civilization will sink back into the Stone Age. We must bring dads back or else. Get your copy of George Gilder's classic book, Men in Marriage, today at dadsareback.com. If Dennis recommends it, it must be a great read. Civilization needs strong men. Without dads, we're toast. Get George's book at dadsareback.com. And I, um, I don't, I've, I don't think they think highly of me. Oh, I'm sure they don't. But let me tell you something, not to brag. I was beloved at that school. Well, how could you not be? I was you beloved. Were the perfect student. And every year, and again, I'm not saying this to brag. It's just, it's fat. It's truly Nobody fascinating for me. Bragging. I won the character, like the, you know, the, you are the a character. character. <laughs> no, but the like character I, I award. I, I'm, I'm every playing. year in yep. the, you know, was all of that. And again, I don't say that as a brag whatsoever, but it's so amazing because a lot of these people... So they're not inviting back as a, no. an alumna who did no. well. And I've heard, I've heard, and, and some people have even told it to my face. And by the way, I'm sure there are some teachers who agree with me or who respect my right to do what I'm doing, but they're not going to come out and tell me. They're going to remain silent about it. So I, wanna, I don't want to paint all of them there with one broad brush. But I have heard through the grapevine and I've also faced, or uh, actually online, been told by former classmates and teachers how disappointed they are in me and um that's sad you know it's just it's interesting for me because one of the things i want to ask them especially the ones who smear me as evil or unkind well not teachers to be uh, right no 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 no. teachers no no, yeah fellow students teachers never did that ever Uh, thank you thank you for clarifying that but what i want to say to them is like do you think i just like totally changed my character and and, but you know what i mean i guess that could happen have you ever seen someone who has started off really nice and then they became me someone really oh that's interesting yes it's very rare it can happen there is a human being that i had a, a friendship with it's the only case in my life that this happened and he became evil wow and i it's the only person i know who i would describe as evil it's a it's a very odd case. I will also say this: uh, when I knew him, and he was a, a sweet, intelligent guy, he was religious. Oh, and now he's not. Oh, he's a, he, he's not just not religious. He's an anti-religious atheist Ooh. publicist. What do you think happens to someone like that? Because I, my I, I don't know the answer. My question for the high school classmates was like. I, do you think I just totally like changed my know, character? Like, why do you think well, I won the character award well, every single year? Well, here's a better question: was... What is what what 
do you mean when you say, I, Julie Hartman, am evil? Right. What well, look, What constitutes my evilness? It's literally like talking with toddlers. I mean, the, the well, level that, of stupidity right. and well, the, ignorance. And, and the inability to answer. Oh, I mean, I don't even try to get into it. But it's just, it's really interesting. Like, you, I had a sterling repu- reputation. You knew, like, do you think I just... I just threw that out the window, or I so just so they like, have. Like, I'll tell you what they would say: you sold your soul for money. It's a very common where's the money? Thing. <laughs> I, oh no, that's a separate. That's right. They don't. They, they say this about all of us. Yes. Oh, yes. oh, Prager. Oh, he's a conservative because that's where the money is. Are you joking? That's where the money is. Ninety-nine percent of the money in this society for advocacy oh. is on the left. Oh my God! I mean, I didn't sell my money f- or my my money. I didn't sell myself for fame. I'm not famous. I didn't sell myself for money. I'm not, I'm not you know making millions of dollars. I didn't. I mean, I've lost friends. I mean, this has been a huge. And, and by the way, I'm so grateful for this career. I love it. It's changed my life. It's elevated my life. There have been a hell of a lot of sacrifices. You know, they just they just think you're right that oh. She just did. People, you know what? Forgive me. I know you want to say something, no, but no, I want no, to make I this would, point. I, I'm fine. This world that we're in, the conservative, public-facing, talk, podcast, media world, it's such a rarefied world. I, we, should, we should really discuss that. As I've told you, I've never, and I mean never, met someone who's on the air who isn't lovely in person and gracious and i've met hollywood people who are you know growing up in la i've met hollywood celebrities and some are really nice and some are really not nice but in this conservative media world everyone is off the air exactly who they are on the air and being at this conference that we were at in london which we haven't talked about on dennis and julie by the way you know so much of it was networking and what was so amazing i I observed this was like all of us are networking with, with each other to like try to facilitate the most amount of good. Mm-hmm. Like what other world where you're like exchanging business cards and you're like trying to like get to someone solely because you want to save Western civilization and like do the most uh, amount of good. And so I think that the reason why there are so many genuine people on this side is because we really, many of us, and obviously there are probably some, but like many, almost all of us are doing what we're doing for a cause that's greater than ourselves. That's right. You know, like we're not selling out. A a lot of us are not selling out for money. (laughs) So I was raised a a liberal, a Democrat, and of course a Jew. Uh, Redundant. Almost. Almost. (laughs) That's right. In Brooklyn. So my life has ended up with conservatives, Christians, and uh, what did I say? Liberal. What were the three things I said? Liberal, Democrat, Jew. Oh, yeah. So Republicans, conservatives, and Christians. And they're just generally really nice people. Oh, yeah. It, I'm not, not going to say there aren't some you know bad apples, but if, that's inevitable. But, yeah, it, it, it's really... You, it's really struck you. Yes, so much. I mean, again, I, I, everyone who I, I shouldn't say everyone, but almost everyone who I encounter in this world, they're just so, so genuine good and, and gen- deep, genuine, 
Very genuine. As you said, the same off the stage as on the stage. Yes, because look, maybe there are some people who are coming into this. I'm not, I, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that some people may see like a benefit in being conservative and being public. But there's a lot, there's so much sacrifice and vitriol that you have to endure that you have to be a true believer in order to do it. Right. A I true just believer wouldn't use for true goodness. believer because that, that, uh, it's a term. Do you know the term, the true believer? No. Oh, I knew you didn't. That's why I'm asking. What is it? You can read this in an hour and a half. Eric Hoffer, the true believer. Okay. Eric Hoffer was a longshoreman mm. and a philosopher, mm. a very rare person. He was brilliant. You you read The True Believer, it'll be one of the best books you've ever oh, read. Oh, good. I'm excited. Yeah, I know you are. I will read it. Yeah. So so, what does it refer no, to? No, no. That tr- true believer book, but... is 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 at, has become synonymous with fanatic, right? You know, the the person is a true. He's a true believer. He doesn't question himself. He doesn't mm. question anything. I'm gonna just. You, I know you didn't mean it right. that way. You meant it literally. Yes. We truly believe yes, in the cause. Yes, and and that is absolutely accurate. And that is what motivates yes. us above anything else. So I want to read to you something I read. In a New York, in a, in Atlantic, because I'm mostly, I was telling my wife just yesterday. So I spent, I flew, flew back, I just flew back from Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, a week without flying is not possible for me. I'm so sorry. Don't forget. Can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. Also, just finally, on this rarefied environment world, everyone is very happy for one another. That's another distinguishing yes, factor. Yes, we want and to help is, each other. I remember when I first started working for you, Candace Owens left PragerU to go to Daily Wire. And I said to you, how do you feel about that? And you said, it's, I'm so happy for her. It's great. It's all about the cause. And right. I saw this at ARC. I saw this at the conference. Like, like when someone was up on stage, like everyone watching was really happy for them. And, and it's just, it's a very healthy environment because we're all trying to help each other and help ourselves to facilitate the, that, that is the entirely greatest accurate. possible good. So, I'm so sorry. Go no, on. No, no, no. It's a non-issue. Tampa, so, Florida. Uh, I was telling my wife how much time I spent on the plane reading mm-hmm. The Atlantic, which is on the left. And and then I, I was telling the same thing to Alan. I, I actually, it's almost bizarre the, the interest I have in reading those I don't agree with. Do you know that's why I learned Russian to read Pravda, the Soviet communist newspaper? I have always been fascinated with the opposition mm-hmm. and especially with the left. Mm-hmm. How how and why do they think what they think? So anyway, so I was reading a very long thing. So do you I not want get to angry? To huh? Do you not get angry when you're reading it? I tend to get angry. Oh, that's an interesting question. It's so it just it, it so repulses me. That. I, and I do read it, but I, I feel myself, my mood getting I'm, ver- I'm very controlled in, the, in that world, in the emotional world. I mean, I'm very emotional, as you know, but I'm, I'm, I don't react emotionally to that stuff. Hmm. I, I fe- I, first of all, I expect awful. So it, I'm, not, I'm never shocked. Sometimes they say stuff that's just so vile that I guess it does. But anyway, so... David Brooks is a New York Times columnist. I remember him from 
before he was at the New York Times, actually, I believe, with the National Review. He started out on the conservative side. Today, he's, he's not a leftist. He's one of the few non-left. He's liberal, but he's not one of the lefty. And he's, and he's absolutely irrational on Trump. I mean, there really is Trump derangement syndrome. People stop thinking clearly. But that's not the point I want to make. So he wrote a piece on, he thinks about big stuff, which I like, uh, obviously. And why has America gone into moral decline? So he admits that there's been a moral yes, decline. Yes, he has. He doesn't admit the left caused it. Okay, well, that, that's... That's what drives me nuts about him. But right. it doesn't matter because I get a lot of data. So listen to this piece of data. I want, I want to share this with you and everybody listening or watching. According to research by Ryan, Ryan Streeter, who was at the American Enterprise Institute, we'll definitely have him on my show as a result of this one line. Ready? Listen to this line. See, it's, it's, I read very slowly, and one of the reasons I read very slowly is because I want to understand every word that is said. I learned to read, in effect, studying the Torah, and you learn it by reading it very carefully and always asking, what does it mean when it says that? Why doesn't it say X? Could have said X better with Y. Okay, lonely young people, this is going to fascinate you. Lonely young people are seven times more likely to say they are active in politics Mm. than young people who aren't lonely. I have been talking about this for years. Leftism is a way for people, especially young people, to find meaning. Meaning, going to a protest, posting on your social media, you know, putting these stickers on on your computer, trumpeting out what you believe is is giving people a life purpose. Absolutely. If you don't know what you are, what you want to do, what you but like, that is a really compelling default. So, it's interesting that the term is the 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 basis is lonely. I will assuage my loneliness in politics. And you know what's great about that, too, for them? They feel like they're a part of something. They're feeling like they're you know around other people and they're less lonely. And it's a way to channel anger about their own lives, their own loneliness, their own lack of purpose. And they, they sublimate that rage and that dissatisfaction and project it onto America. That's correct. That's what I think that I think I observed this last week. I think the basis of Trump derangement syndrome is that people feel like Trump is a really easy and socially acceptable outlet to voice their rage about things that they don't feel comfortable actually expressing their rage about in their own lives. Wow. The people you know who hate Trump. I think that's the case. Yes. Why? So when I know you didn't want to you said that. Trump derangement syndrome is not the, the point I'm making or the point I'm focusing on. But forgive me, I do want to ask, and then we'll get back to this. What do you think is the basis of Trump derangement syndrome? So you're, the, the reason for my hesitation, but I will answer you, is I know some of the most prominent never-Trumpers in the country. Hmm. So it's very it's a very emotionally difficult subject for me because 
I have been friends with some, and they're really, they're, they're very famous individuals. And I'm sure very deep, good people. Well, they're, they're deep and good in, in almost every other mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, if you good don't point. like Trump, I have no issue. I don't think he's terribly likable. But who cares? Why isn't the question that people ask or should ask is is individual X good or bad for America? Not do I like do I like politician X is a narcissistic question. Because we I don't give a damn whether you like Trump or not. It is of no I don't care if you like me or not. I care if you think I am doing good for society. Is did he he had four years as president? Was the country better or worse because he was president? If you if you are at all honest, it was better. There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver. Bank failures, digital currency volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as the global reserve currency. Julie Hartman here for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. If you ask Amfed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you that when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, that $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece is worth about $2,000. Which would you rather own? Now, let's simplify the reasons to use Amped Coin and Bullion. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at Amped Coin and Bullion. 1-800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. If you if you are at all honest, it was better. You it is a dishonest answer to say it was worse. It was economically better. The world respected us Every more. Was there better. was more less far less chaos in the world. Uh, uh, there was no defund the police the movement. Border. The border was at least beginning to be closed. I mean, it, it, the Israel embassy was moved. Every president promised they'd do it. They all lied in their promise. Abraham Republican Accords. as well. The Abraham Accords. I mean, the, the list is, is gigantic. The country was, was feared, as it should be. When I asked Neil Ferguson, one of the greatest living historians uh, for Harvard and now at Stanford, and when, I, when I, I asked him on my show, I had no idea what he would say. I give you my word. Would Putin have invaded Ukraine, in your opinion, if Trump were president? There was not a, a, more than a nanosecond between my question and his answer, no. And I believe that. Why didn't he invade while Trump was president? Why didn't we have the chaos of the Middle East while he was president? When America is, has a weak nothing as president, the world becomes chaotic. And this is my message to uh, uh, conservatives as well who go, well, it's not in America's interest, not in America's interest. Oh, really? Chaos in the world is not in America's interest? When the hell did you come up with that idea? Some of my fa- – this is another subject entirely because but, isolationism is really on the rise among uh, some really wonderful conservatives, the people I respect. But the idea, the, we, we only care about America? Since when do we only care about America? 
Um, God or nature or life allowed America to be the richest and strongest country on earth so that we only care about America? Is that a moral, is that a moral consideration? Is that an American consideration? But anyway, we should talk about that another time because it's a real big deal, the isolationism that is, that is arising. But I'm obviously passionate on this because it's pure narcissism. I don't like Trump, therefore I will oppose him. I don't care if you like Trump. Why is that not relevant? It is irrelevant that you don't like Trump. Do you like America is the only only valid question about a public figure. The argument used to be, I don't like Trump, and I think character matters, and are the example to the children, all that stuff. They don't believe character matters. Biden is scum. Biden is the worst human being to be president in my lifetime, maybe in America's history. Amen. He is a bad human being. That's my belief. But it's irrelevant. If he were a bad human being and did good for America, I would be thrilled he was president. I am not here to judge people's lives. I am here to judge people's presidencies. I agree. But I'm saying that that used to be the argument. And it's an asinine argument, the the character argument for a president of the United States. If you're picking a husband, okay, I get it. But when you're picking a president, if he cheats on his wife, I mean, come on, we have bigger considerations. I'm not saying it's not bad, but you, you just articulated it beautifully. My point is that used to be the argument. And since January 6th and since all of the, these um, uh legal entanglements in these indictments that Trump is is in now people are saying he's a threat to democracy they're no have you noticed that people are no longer using the likability argument they're using the right but he, he was a president for four years was he a, and all yeah, the, well okay no, trust, trust but they me, said I, he, but they said he was a fascist before January 6th this is phony oh it's because of January 6th before January 6th, they said he was a fascist yeah. and an anti-Semite and, and a neo-Nazi and a white supremacist. And they made up the lie that he said Nazis were fine people in Charlottesville. It's a lie. I agree. And we documented in a PragerU video. I love that video, by the way. Really good. Really good one. Yes, I think I think you're right that it's narcissism. And I, I am fascinated by this idea, the, the idea of the modern self. Carl Truman wrote a very good book on this. I think it's called The the Modern Self. I think it's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. I I interviewed him on my show. And his book really influenced the way that I understand so many of our issues now. I think we we acknowledge this in the last Dennis and Julie that so, so many of these issues reflect a narcissism and a cult of self. Student loan forgiveness. I shouldn't have to pay back a loan that I took out. I shouldn't have to have responsibility for that. You know, this push trigger warnings. I shouldn't have to be made to feel offended or uncomfortable if I don't want to. Even even abortion. And you know I'm very conflicted on the subject of abortion, but there is this idea, how dare someone else tell me that I have obligations to someone else other than myself? How dare someone tell me that I have an obligation to my unborn child or to the man who impregnated me and is the father of this child or to society and to greater moral principles about the That's you know correct. divinity if you look at every so the the pronoun the or yes pronouns you know you should have to what, what, what about you you should have to have me on your swim team Yes. I'm a guy. Yes. I or bathrooms. I if I want to go into the woman's room even though I have a penis, I should be like it's all me 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 me. And so 
our conception of ourselves is it's no longer rooted in, okay, what is our obligation to other people? And how do we become more like ourselves through fulfilling those obligations? Now it's just, you only have an obligation to you and anybody else who's telling you otherwise is an antiquated bigot white supremacist. And so, yes, I think Trump derangement syndrome is like this, if I don't like him, or if I, you know, am reviled by him, then everyone else has to march in, in lockstep. I want to read to you how bad, uh, since we got on the subject, mm-hmm. and it is deranged, it's a, a syndrome. Oh, so I know. Here I is, know many people this, who have it. Yes. Here is this uh, David Brooks, who is, as I say, not a leftist, but has it bad. In, in this long piece in the Atlantic that I spent almost two hours on the plane analyzing mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and so on. And it has a lot of good stuff in it. But when it comes to, to listen to this, an ancient brand of amoralism now haunts the world. Authoritarian style leaders like oh Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, and <sighs> Xi Jinping embody a kind of amoral realism. Trump, Xi, and Putin? Also, what is he saying with amor? I hate this academic jargon. One of the things I love about your writing is that it's it is both profound and very clear. I don't like isms. I don't like like words that end in what. Tell me what the hell you mean. What does that mean? What are the last two words? I just said them. Uh, amoral realism. I'm sorry. I I don't think I'm stupid. I'm not saying I'm the brightest tool in the shed, but I don't think I'm stupid. What is amoral realism? Tell me, what right. is that? that that's it's the least of his jargon. Yes. BS. Okay. Doesn't mean anything. He's lumping Trump. Oh, I know. It's 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 beyond belief, as you would say. It's beyond belief. That is what I would say. I know. By the way, when you said earlier, it's me, 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 me. Yep. How many me's do you think you said? I actually counted it. Uh, I think I said seven because that's the song, me, me. You know the singing thing. Me, 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 me. No, it, it was six. It, yeah. Me, 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 me. No. No, it was five. Me, me, me. This would be a good meme of us. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. I just Sean. thought it was funny. Uh, uh, How so, many did I say, Sean? Did you count? He, he writes here, it's fine It's fine to elect people who lie, who are corrupt, as long as they are ruthless bastards for our side. I wait, mean, wait, I'm sorry. Read that th- one more this time? Is, this is, he's speaking about people who vote for, for Trump. How they think, or these other horrible. Okay, so human read it beings. one more time. It's fine to elect people who lie, who are corrupt, as long as they are ruthless bastards for our side. Okay. Uh, uh, so you ask what? You ask what exactly? You ask what? What animates it? And it's not, it's not entirely clear. It really isn't entirely clear because a lot of these people think clearly on many other issues and then all of a sudden fall off the cliff when it comes to Trump. Oh, sorry. I I just had something that popped into my head. I think that there are, I mean, there are gradations of everything. There's gradations of goodness, gradations of evil, gradations of sin. But I think there are gradations of people who are willing to be moral fighters And I found this when I started being public with my beliefs. I remember doing episodes, or I think this was when I was on your your radio show every week, and I wanted to talk about January 6th, or I wanted to talk about the the vaccines was another issue that, that, that was very contentious at the time. And 
you know, the efficacy of the vaccine and how it's been pushed on us, all of that. And I remember having this debate with myself. Should I go there? Or should I just talk about issues that are pretty, like, a lot of people can get behind, even if the left will hate me, you know, I should talk about police. Everyone can, a lot of people can get behind that the defund the police movement has been crazy. Should I just talk about the border? Should I just talk about wokeness and leave kind of the more hot topics like January 6th and vaccines out of it? And I remember having this debate and I said to myself, no, Julie, you can't go 80% of the way. If you're going to be an asset to, to, for, for goodness and for what is right, you, you can't, you can't go right up to it, but not cross it. And as you say, I remember I asked you, you know, how do you decide what to say on air? Because you, I mean, you go, you go there with everything. And you said to me, if it's true, I say it. And since you have said that, I have internalized that as my modus operandi for, for, my, for my life and, and specifically my professional on-air life. And so I think there are people who are good people, but they want to maintain, you know, a certain kind of, they, they want to remain in the American elite. I'm sure David Brooks wants to still be invited to the fancy galas and parties and social events. And he knows that if he goes there, you know, if he goes 100% of the way morally, then he will not reap the same personal and professional benefits than if he just goes 80% of the way and withholds. Does that make any sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And ironically part of me wishes that were true entirely i think it's partially true i really do believe he genuinely hates trump i know well that's yes that's another thing uh, yeah he's a so, true believer yeah that's right <laughs> he's a, that's right that's the, the use of the term i mean to to write these things look it, it, it's it's so here here's an interesting thing so you you quoted me to you if it's true i say it yep so, to your credit, you said to me privately something to the effect, it's, the whole thing is about truth. What, how did you put it? You put it in... in, in I wish... In, I, I remember saying eloquently on the phone. Yeah. I won't be able to replicate. Right. But yes, but every... So, w- here is my newest thinking on this. Okay. I have said for many years the most important trait for goodness to succeed in the world is courage. Mm-hmm. I, I would now say it's tied with telling the truth, and that, in fact, I would go one step further. They're almost synonymous. Mm. It takes courage to tell the truth. When I do the male-female hour, to to show you how ubiquitous this concept is, I do the male-female hour. I tell the truth about men and women, especially about men. I know you do. (laughs) Yes, and... I kind of marvel at it. I mean, you really go there. It's gutsy. It is gutsy. It, and, it, it is almost never said what I say on the male-female hour. And we've talked about stuff on Dennis and Julie, and, and sometimes it's embarrassing, you know, going going there and yes, acknowledging certain subjects. It's, that's it right. is embarrassing, but you do it. People are are afraid of the truth. Yep. But, you know, that great line in the New Testament, the truth shall set you free, that is, in fact, the case. The and truth as, does set you free. And as I say, the truth is good. That's because your the line. truth the is truth created is by good. God, and the truth is good. If you get down to the truth, you'll see that men and women are equal. Races are equal. If you work hard, if you make yourself into a good person, you know, good things will happen to you. I, 
I lo- you say you have an erotic re- uh, attraction to the, tr- the truth. Yes. I concur. Because the truth is good. Right. And when, when I say that, uh, it's not just a cute line. I am excited by it. That's, that's what the I mean. The truth is uncomfortable, I, but it's good. Yeah, but I, I will say, generally speaking in my life, I have found truth much more calming than disturbing, mm. even when I don't like what I hear. Because you, you Can you can, give an example? Well, it, where it would be truth about someone I like, and, and it's depressing, or truth about uh, look, the flaws of America, and I love America. Right. But I, I, I don't want to live in a make-believe. I don't want to live... I have one life to live. I don't want to live in a make-believe world. I don't want to live on stage where the, the lines are fed. The entire left is rooted in lies. The, it's a world of oh, the all, lie. All of That's it. why they all accept men give birth. Because it, uh, truth it. is not... Here, here, I have a proof on that, by the way. I'm one of many proofs. When I say something and the left attacks me, which is ubiquitous on, on the internet, they never refute what I say they just call me a name and why is that so I'll give you an example I wrote it I wrote a column about a year ago about all the race hoaxes on campuses a noose at a black kid's dorm room a swastika on a black kid's uh, uh, door uh, of his room whatever You want a killer Black Friday deal? How about a free Moto G 5G phone from Pure Talk? No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 15 gig data plan for just 35 bucks and get the Moto G 5G phone for free. But you need to move fast because these phones will be gone by the end of the month. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, a quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword Dennis Prager to speak with Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team. They make switching so easy and will make sure you get your new phone. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Dennis Prager to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan from Pure Talk. All the race hoaxes on campuses. A noose at a black kid's dorm room, a swastika on a black kid's uh, uh, door uh, of his room, whatever. And I gave, I think, I don't know, 12, 15 examples of hoaxes. And I said, my belief is that if there is a noose or a, or a swastika by a black kid's dorm, that it was not placed there by a white racist, but by either a white leftist or a black student, usually a black student. So I was totally attacked, and this is the attack. That's racist, (laughs) which, of course, doesn't deal with the question, is it true? And then they say Prager offered no, no, this is common. He offered no proof of his argument. But you listed, you listed all those things. I listed at least a dozen examples. Wouldn't you think that they would say to prove that Prager's not true, here are a dozen examples of real racists doing the noose thing. Yes. But they didn't give one. All they did is say, I lied, 
and, and that I'm racist. Because truth is not a left-wing value. They're not aware. Wait a minute. The counter to a lie is the truth. Tell the truth. The counter of a lie is not an attack on the person. That does not counter lies. No, they literally, they don't. Every single response that they give is, if is you're transphobic or homo- right. like, and, and, it's and, about you, not about yes. what you said. And one time I was having a debate with a, oh, well, I've had many debates with many leftists, but in college, and he was saying, you know, this is, tra- that's transphobic. And I said, try, let, let's play a game. Let's play a game. For the next 10 minutes, you are going to, you're going to just try really hard to believe that I am acting in good faith. Even if I'm not acting, let's just, let's just set some rules here. Let's play a game. Assume I'm acting in good faith and make arguments to me for the next 10 minutes that have nothing to do with a phobia or a insidious proclivity I have to hate a certain race or certain whatever. Let's just, it's impossible. They, they don't know. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to argue based on the merits of their argument. The one time I have heard, there are some issues like immigration. I've heard people talk about like the, you know, we need work or, you know, I've heard some people make, make arguments on the left on some issues that don't have to do with, with phobias or whatever, but 90% of the time it's about a certain bigotry. The overwhelming argument against those who have wanted not to have open borders. Xenophobia. Is xenophobia. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Racism and xenophobia. You know, something I've thought a lot about is it, it has amazed me, especially in the past three years, really since 2020 when George George Floyd died, it has amazed me how people could still remain on the left. Before 2020, I mean, because I was on the left, <laughs> but I was also very young, I could get it. But things have gotten so bad and so obviously ridiculous and evil and irrational, not just with the police, but the border and all of this wokeism. And, and I mean, the, the list goes on. I, I look at that and I can't understand how there are still some people on the left. Do you ever have that thought? Like after all that has happened? Well, it was never rooted in truth. By the way, the, the George Floyd thing. You know, I've never said he was murdered. I know. Because I I care about truth. I do not believe that Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd. Well, you noticed I just said George Floyd's death. I know, I know. I'm just making it even clearer to those listening. See, that's a a great example of of going all the way with the truth. That's right. And that's hard. It's it's really uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, that is a good example. It's really... That's right. Truth and courage are identical. That's correct. And this is a good example. To say George Floyd was not murdered opens you up to massive oh amounts of hate, as if, as if you're okay with killing blacks, which is sick. <laughs> There's not a cell in me that is okay with killing blacks. But the evidence, I mean, it's it's a, the whole story about what the uh, what the, what is the what are they called the ones who do the the um, autopsies. Morticians? Yeah. Was it? No, no, no. Yeah. Who, what is the name of it? Um, anyway. Uh, so, God, I can't believe it. You you can't remember it? I can't remember it. No, no. It's the one who does autopsy. Autopsitarian. Yes. No, not mortician. All right. doesn't matter. 
Maybe it is mortician. Okay, yeah, for, okay. All right, don't keep guessing. So it, it, it's it's the, the guy who did the autopsy, the doctor, said he was not he was not killed, and then changed it because he knew he would lose his profession and maybe his life. Yeah. And and so people don't know that that his first report was he wasn't killed. And and it's amazing too how people will use. We'll take one thing you say and then literally like metastasize it to 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 paint this picture of so many layers of bigotry. Like, for instance, when they say, oh, Dennis Prager says that George Floyd wasn't murdered, that means that he's racist. That means he's okay with killing blacks. That means that he is, you know, doesn't think what Derek Chauvin did was wrong. They they, they don't see That's any right. nuance with anything. No, because truth say, is not a left-wing value. Yes, I can. We right. can both say that the evidence indicates that he, that George Floyd was not murdered well, by, by the way, Derek Chauvin. The word Chauvin. is coroner. Coroner. That's the that's the word. Is, wait, but is the coroner the one that performs the autopsy? I believe so. Oh, okay. Um, it, or the things, one who who uh, extrapolates from the autopsy what happened. Two things can be true at once. A, that the evidence does not indicate that George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin, but also that Derek Chauvin should not put his knee on the neck of George Floyd. One now, that could was, say that. that, by the way. That how, was a how, training, right. that was a well, procedure but, that they did, but, right. and, but they don't and see does, any nuance on the left. Not, it does not lead to death. Right. That is why it was a police tactic. But they they don't they think because you say that then you're somehow endorsing Chauvin right. you're endorsing right. it it's like oh my gosh it's just it's right and it's like media matters for America which a mm-hmm. lot of uh, the left wing places use is a lying institution all they do is lie yeah I know because I am the object of a fair number of their they just they they cite you in a lying way uh, or they wrench out of context. Prager said he wants to use the N-word. Right, yes. Yeah. Okay, as a perfect example. All I said was saying N-word, whereas you could say every other horrible word like kike for Jew, is crazy. And I even said calling a black person is N-word is despicable. And I said it. They didn't quote that part. I know, hence why I, I often marvel at how so many people can be on the left. Now, let me clarify. I can understand how some people are not, you know, super right wing or not Republicans or not conservatives. I, I, I get that. I just don't understand how after all that has happened, after seeing how rancid and and despicable and just Well, awful you could the, say that about any evil ideology. People how are gravitate, there so many people, people still? The, the God is disappointed in his creation. Yes, he saw and he Oh, said. are you ready? It's a great thing to end on. I want to I want to read to you something. I didn't I'm going to do this on the air. This is awesome. I'm a big big fan of Benjamin Franklin. Do you know Oh, this? you should read Stacy Schiff's biography of him. I, I had her okay, on Okay, good. Show. I I will. She's really, okay, really thank good. you. So listen to this. Benjamin Schiff, Benjamin Schiff, Benjamin Franklin <laughs> to Joseph Priestley. June 7th, 1782. The more I know of men, the more I am disgusted with them. (laughs) I love this. Men I find to be a sort of beings very badly constructed. 
as they are generally more easily provoked than reconciled, more disposed to do mischief to each other than to make reparation, much more easily deceived than undeceived, and having more pride and even pleasure in killing than in begetting one another. For without a blush they assemble in great armies at noonday to destroy, and when they have killed as many as they can, they exaggerate the number to augment the fancied glory. It's really depressing. And then, it totally. It's really depressing. You ready for the final line yes. of this? A virtuous action it would be, and a vicious one, the killing of them. <laughs> if the species were really worth producing or preserving. But of this, I begin to doubt. Uh, to me, wisdom begins, the famous phrase in the Bible, with the fear of God, and that's true. Wisdom begins with the acknowledgement that human nature is not basically good. You cannot have wisdom if you believe people are basically good. You are automatically a fool, and every doctrine you will you will develop from that will be foolish. So you can tell that someone is rich by the clothes they wear, the cars they drive, the jewelries they have. You can tell someone is privileged by the beliefs that they hold. If you think that someone is basically good, you well, are Well, no, no, one... human race is basically good. There are a handful of people, Did I, I think. Did I say someone? Yeah. Oh, oh I, I phrase it as individual. If you think that the human race is right. basically good, you have lived a cushy, That's right. padded, yep. privileged, to use yep. the favorite word of the left, the P word, privilege, privilege, privilege. If you think that the human race is basically good, you are the most privileged person in the world. But in all likelihood. Yeah. So that's my man, Benjamin Franklin. Another person I greatly admire, my wife. She thinks God uh, should should not have spared Noah. I have to say I was going to bring it up, but I didn't know if, if you or Sue would have been comfortable. I have thought about that. I have thought about – when I first heard that, I thought, oh, no. But seeing how much evil there is in the world, she may have a point. She has a point. I don't agree with her, but – Yes, yes I I'm not so sure that because, I agree with her. Because but... she has a point. Well, Look, it's like, that's what Franklin, that's what Benjamin Franklin said. That was his last line. If the, if the species were really worth producing or preserving, hmm. but of this, I begin to doubt. I'd like to have met Benjamin Franklin. He, get in line. So what's the name of the book? Did you read it or did you just have her No, on? I read her recent biography of Sam Adams, which was spectacular. I have not read her one oh, on, okay. on Benjamin, but, if that but I was, believe it was a Pulitzer Prize finalist. Well, She's won the Pulitzer well, that, Prize that's, for that's others. That's a bad sign for me. Oh, really? Yeah. They're, they're, oh, interesting. They're, they're dummies at oh. the Pulitzer. Well, she's 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 a really really good writer. They gave the New York Times and Washington Post Pulitzer prizes for their oh, lying about. Right. Oh, you're right. Oh no gosh. no, their record right. is, is despicable. Well, she won the Pulitzer Prize for her book on Cleopatra, I think, in 1999. So it was yeah. hopefully better then. No no, I won't say that. Look, McCullough got a Pulitzer Prize for his biography of Truman, and it was great. Um, it doesn't. All I'm saying is, it doesn't recommend it. It, it doesn't non-recommend right. it, and it right. doesn't recommend it. 
I don't right. have I, I res- much respect for the Pulitzer Prize as I do for the Nobel Prize. By the way, just in in in, in peace, the Nobel Peace yes, Prize. Yes. Yes. As a quick aside, so Sam Adams and Benjamin Franklin were similar in a lot of ways, but their their lives up until the revolution were quite different. Samuel Adams had a very unimpressive life for his first 40 years. He was kind of a nothing burger. Huh. He didn't really have a career, he didn't really have, and then he became uh, Thomas Jefferson called him the leader of the American Revolution. That it, it wouldn't have occurred without Samuel Adams. Benjamin Franklin, on the other hand, was so impressive. From the get-go, he was a polymath. I mean, and I look at someone like Benjamin Franklin. Modern society could never produce someone like that. Interesting. With all, I mean, didn't he, like, invent certain spectacles? Yeah, no, he was and amazing. And he was, yeah, I mean, he, yes. he had all, I mean, talk about, like, diversity of well, uh, th- th- capability he the, did he discover or prove electricity yes i think so yeah, okay. i mean that th- these are not like small these are huge huge things as one man did that's right if you want to feel bad about yourself read about benjamin franklin if you want to feel good about yourself read about samuel adams well that's a very funny way of putting it however i love reading about people who are better than me Oh, me too. Uh, it's inspiring. Uh, it's exactly, exactly. How All right, can people my dear, reach us? By having you tell them. Really? Yes. You don't want to give it a go? That's correct. It's been weeks. That's part of the problem. Okay. You can reach me at julie at julie-hartman.com. I love hearing from you. And if I don't respond, please forward it to me because I want to try to respond to as many of you as I can. And you can follow me, at least for now, on Instagram and Twitter at Julie R. Hartman. And you can follow Dennis on Twitter at, at Dennis Prager and on Instagram at the Dennis Prager. We will see you here soon. I think this was episode 89. Isn't that amazing? Is that true? We should bring in champagne when it's 100. Correct. And maybe and you'll even, even drink it. Ju- I will. I don't even like champagne, actually. Oh, no, no, actually. If I have to drink something, I like champagne. Oh. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Shalom. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.